Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number four of the Mass the Meal podcast. My name is Chad Olson. I'm the Senior Associate Director of Student Financial Aid at Iowa State University, and I'm currently serving as your Mass of the Past President. We are so excited to be here today. We have a very special guest, our, our first guest that we've interviewed in a combined format. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Ryan uh, Check from the Mass of the Summer Institute and Leadership Symposium group, um, but this is the first time that Emily and I are interviewing a guest in tandem. And with that, I'm going to throw it over to my awesome co-host, Emily Hainem. Emily, how are you doing? I'm good, Chad. How are you? I'm it's doing so nice awesome. to be here. It's so nice to be here again with you. And we have a very exciting guest today, one of my favorite human beings in this world, Heidi Carl, who's our executive director at Purdue University, which Heidi, I have to say, not that I'm trying to bring like a, a painful moment and I, you know, but I'm sorry that Purdue lost in the NCAA tournament. We're not too far removed from that. So I hope that you're, you're doing okay. But I will say that I was, I was, I'm a St. Peter's grad. So it was an exciting moment for me to have them be the Cinderella team. So not trying to throw salt in the wound, but just, you know, making sure you're okay with that. So we're, we're still trying to recover, Emily, definitely. But as, uh, you know, Emily and I texted back and forth throughout the game, as we always do, we have a little bit of good intended fun with each other and so uh you know I'm always one to cheer on the Cinderella team so either way it was a win but yes kind of a little sad for Purdue definitely and that yeah. was basketball they were playing right oh gosh plugged into sports <laughs> yes. I am, so yeah yeah that's right it was the basketball game Absolutely. Yeah. So Heidi, um, welcome. And we're so excited to have you on the podcast. You are our inaugural guest. You are our first guest. So we're honored to have you. And we thought you'd be a wonderful fit. And um, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about what your role is right now with MASFA and um, a little bit about MASFA in general and your trajectory. Well, let me echo those sentiments. I'm super excited to be here. And thank you to you and Chad for kicking this off the ground and getting this started and also for letting me be a part of the beginning and the fun of this moment to be able to see. We hope this lasts well into our retirement years when, you know, nobody wants to listen to a bunch of old folks just talk on. But right now, let's hope they're interested. So, um, so my role this year, I have the awesome fortune of being the president of our MASFA Association. And it is just a wonderful honor to be able to serve all of the professionals across the Midwest in this role. And you're elected by your peers. So that's super exciting to know that people across the nine state region had faith that I could take on this role and be a leader for everybody across MASFA. So that's my current role. Um, and it's, it's going well. I'm having fun. I've been to the Indiana Conference and was able to join the West Virginia Conference virtually. And I also went to the Ohio Conference where Emily used to be. So got to hear all the great OH. stories. OH. <laughs> shout out to my, right. shout out so to my Ohio Ohio. friends. So um, Heidi, do you want to share with us how you got your start in MASFA, kind of what led you to get involved with the association? Sure. Um, so like probably a lot of people who start to learn more about MASFA, for me, it was when I was the state president for the state of Indiana. I joined the MASFA board 
as the representative for the state of Indiana, which is very similar to how it works with the different regions and NASPA as well. Right now, Chad is our representative on the NASPA board and I get to join that on July 1. So that's how we kind of learn about the next association. From there, I went on to uh, run for a delegate at large role and worked with a number of different committees and also was able to chair the leadership symposium. Some years back, those used to be separate committees. We had a summer institute committee and then a leadership symposium committee. So I led the leadership symposium as the chair of that committee for about three or four years and was faculty with leadership symposium for a while. Done quite a bit of leadership work in the state as well. So that's what kind of led me to do that, be attracted to that in MASFA and be asked to be the chair of that committee. And then I ran for the vice president role, um, which for those of you who don't know, the vice president is the person who oversees pretty much everything financial for MASFA. Um, I tend to joke, and I think our current vice president, Nathan Lore, and probably Chrissy Balmick from the University of Michigan, who was just our most recent vice president, would agree that's one of the biggest roles in MASFA um, because you really are involved in so many pieces and parts of the association. It's not just the money, not just the, the accounts receivable that we take in and the accounts payable that we pay out and all of our investments and managing our accounts. There are so many other things under the vice president's purview, like insurance. I never thought I would be the one reading through these very complex insurance policies. Um, you sign all the contracts for the association. So um, again, I learned so much about contracts and what to watch for and all the different nuances of whether it's hotels or um, sometimes it was performers or speakers that we were having come venues that we wanted to go to, even like food and beverage contracts. It's amazing the world of contracting and all the different things that you can watch for. Um, and then from there was when I ran for president. So that's what led us to get me to where I am today. Having a blast. So Heidi, we'll talk about in a, in a second, like what some of your goals are for MASFA, but I'm curious, like you just described all these awesome positions and all the volunteer time you've put into MASFA. Can, can you just tell us a little bit about like how it's benefited you, like why you chose to do it? Like, like what was your motivation and, and um, you know, what'd you get out of it? Yeah, we've had this conversation before as a board often. And for me, being a part of a professional association a lot of times when we talk about what are we going to charge our members or how are we going to set up our membership, often it's what does somebody get for being a MASFA member? And for me, it's much more about, and, and we'll, we'll talk in a little bit, I, I already know we want to talk a little bit about leadership. And for me, it's a lot more about service and um, what I can give back to the association as a member. Um, I believe that associations are very much a two-way street, that yes, they need to be there to invest in me and help me grow as a professional and give me networking opportunities and mentoring opportunities. I mean, I think that's probably the biggest 
answer to your question why. Um, for me, it was to meet some of the most amazing leaders that are in the field today. You know, people that we all look up to, like Lori Vetter and Paula Luff and Dan Mann and Sue Swisher, you know, some of the people who have just played such integral parts of my life and my career growing up in financial aid, wanting to be able to network with them and um, have them as colleagues and resources. You know, the job that we do every day is super tough. And sometimes you just need to be able to phone a friend, right? I always love that um, answer from the game show where you get to phone a friend. I think of that in financial aid a lot that to be able to know I had those people who they would take my call, first of all, and then they would be able to offer me some advice or some help. And so that's probably the biggest why was because I wanted to get to know those people. I wanted to learn from them. I wanted to grow. I wanted to be able to um, obviously advance in my career too. You know, some of this is a little self-serving. It's about being able to gain experiences to be able to get that next job or that next opportunity. I mean, I definitely don't think I would be sitting at Purdue University today were it not for all the things I learned from so many financial aid professionals that are a part of MASFA. That's awesome, Heidi. And I've heard you talk about this before. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you, because I just think that I just love your take on it. And, um, you know, I, I initially worked in college athletics and athletic compliance and hopped over to a financial aid office and not if it weren't for MASFA Summer Institute and me going to that event and meeting you, meeting Nick Pruitt, um, you know, uh, Paula Luff, uh, Carla Wett, like I, the list goes on and on. Uh, um, if it wasn't for going to that event, like I would have eventually tried to go back to athletics, I think. I, you know, so I just think the financial aid collegiality, the people that are in it are so wonderful. And I just, I just love the way you put it where, yes, you're getting, you're getting all these wonderful mentors and meeting all these wonderful legends in our profession, but man, it's also a lot of fun to give back, you know, once you get going and, and get, get involved with it. So, and, and I just, I just love hearing you say that. So I thought our listeners might love to hear that as well. So thank you for that. So anyway, <laughs> the actual question I was supposed to ask next, um, so what, what kind of, uh, what are your main goals that you want to maybe top two or three goals that you want to accomplish for MASFA as president? Well, I think, um, probably the top one kind of goes hand in hand with that. We all know these last couple of years have been tough for everyone. Um, you know, living through a pandemic is obviously just, it's so surreal. It's, it's something that none of us could have ever imagined or ever thought we would do in our lifetime. So um, you know, due to health and safety, we, we had to be separated, we had to be quarantined. But I think for most of us, you know, there have been enough safety me measures in place from, you know, masking protocols and vaccinations and, you know, social distancing and things like that, that we're eager and excited to come back together. Um, just like I hope you've been able to gather with family and friends um, you know, that's probably one of my top goals is to get us back together as a, a profession, a group of colleagues, as you said, to be able to fellowship and be able to enjoy each other's company. I know 
we had our board meeting in February and almost everyone was able to make it. And, you know, we had two solid days of connecting and communication. And yes, we had a little fun and, you know, had a good time in the evening too. And that's always a huge part of it. Um, but we did the good work of the association and I was so proud of everyone there. And um, so I think that's probably one of the biggest goals is to get us back together, get us back to moving forward as an association. I, I know we all felt like we kind of were just spinning our wheels for a few years everywhere in our personal lives, in our work lives, and obviously in our professional lives too. Um, I'm also super proud of the work that Chad started last year and this board is continuing in the diversity, inclusion and belonging area. Um, both our access committee and the diversity committee, I, I couldn't be prouder of the folks serving in those capacities. The book club was formed um, in Chad's presidency and continues in mine. The first book finished a month or so ago and 30 plus individuals got together and had an amazing chat. If you missed it, don't miss the next one because it was so rewarding and fulfilling to be able to share with colleagues around a, a common reading. Um, they've chosen their second book. And so everybody's reading right now and hope to gather again, I think in May is the time. So jump on that bandwagon. Trust me, I know if you're like me, we read so many regulations and federal guidelines and state guidelines and your university information. Can you squeeze one more thing in? Um, I encourage you to try to squeeze this one more thing in. It, it's a, I've started the reading for this uh, time and it's a pretty light read. It's an easy read. So I think you would enjoy it. Um, also, I think the last thing that I would say is um, we are getting back, like I said, to in-person events. And so the next goal would be this is is our 60th anniversary year that we'll celebrate at our conference in October. And so I hope what we can do is just encourage everyone far and wide that it's time to come back and celebrate MASPA, be together. I know, you know, I mentioned West Virginia just had a virtual conference and I know a few other states are still doing those and, and that's okay. You know, they have to do what's best for their membership, but I hope that everybody by October is healthy and well and feels safe and can come back and join us. We'll be um, at the Henry Hotel in Dearborn outside of Detroit, and it'll be a wonderful time. The committees are working hard to have amazing sessions. You know, with all the upcoming FAFSA simplification, that alone, I think, could take us a conference to talk about. There's so many changes and things happening there. But I also think that just um, all the other things on running our offices and, you know, how do we move to a hybrid or remote work focus in our daily lives? There's so much to talk about and come together and learn. So those are probably the biggest things that I'm focused on. We do have Summer Institute and Leadership Symposium in June in Wisconsin as well in person. So I know um, that was a little bit dissected last year because we did them as separate events. And while we were still able to offer those amazing training opportunities, I'm hopeful this year with having the groups all back together, um, everybody will get registered and, and send staff to those opportunities as well. So those are a few things that I would say are goals uh, for the next year. 
So, um, Heidi, we'll make sure we put on the at the end of the podcast um, more information about registering for the book club because, um, like you said, it I think it's been a great, great opportunity. And you know, one one way you can to participate as well is, you know, both the first book and this next one are on Audible, and I was able to get a, a free ninety day trial. So I've been I've been listening. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make the discussion for the first one, but I, I certainly enjoyed the book, and I'm just starting to dig into to listening to this second one as well. Um, so could you share with, with the listeners, what are some of Heidi's favorite words to live by and or favorite phrases, quotes, and sayings? And I'm going to hold up maybe a little prompt here. You shared this with us at your presidential retreat, and I enjoyed it so much that I uh, actually during the meeting, um, during a downtime, of course, I was always paying attention fully. Um, but I, I jumped on Amazon in order to use copy of this. And this book is called Together is Better, a little book of inspirations by Simon Sinek. Um, so if you want to share anything from that or any of your other, you know, just kind of favorite statements that, that help you uh, get through the day. Yeah, Chad, that's a great lead in. So my favorite quote, if you have not read Together is Better, it's an amazing uh, leadership team focused, uh, little, it's kind of a, a comical caricature on just life and how your approach to being with a group is, is should be focused and, and what you should really try to do. But my favorite one in that whole book, and actually one of my dear, dear friends, when I left Wabash College to come to Purdue, he had it engraved on a paperweight that sits on my desk. And so um, my favorite quote in that whole book is a boss has the title, a leader has the people. And so, you know, that probably speaks volumes to how I view my role on the team at Purdue, how I viewed my role at the team at Wabash and years ago at the University of Indianapolis as well. Um, but probably just a short bit above that would be a quote, uh, it's an Abraham Lincoln quote. And so anybody who knows me knows my mom uh, was a single parent. She raised my sister and I, my dad was very active in our lives, but they divorced when I was just two years old and my sister was a newborn. And so we kind of grew up this band of three women in our household and um, it was girl power on steroids if you could have that in any volume, but um, Basically, in college, I was that perennial kid who struggled. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And, you know, now working with college students, I recognize that as, you know, fear of failure, as well as fear of truly not knowing what my place in this world was going to be. Um, and, you know, I think as a lot of young students, I wanted to, you know, live large in life. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to make an imprint. And so I, uh, in that quest, changed my major seven times. And I think it was probably about on major change four or five that my mom was reading a magazine or a newspaper. She was famous for clipping out quotes and just keeping five or six or 10 of them and putting them in a plain white envelope and mailing them to my college dorm. And she mailed me this quote by Abraham Lincoln that said, whatever you are, be a good one. 
Um, and I have that today hanging on my office wall engraved in wood, which I wish Emily would have made it for me, but actually I <laughs> a, a craft show. I had a vendor make it. Emily does amazing woodwork. If you don't know that, hopefully she talks to you about that in some podcast in the future, but um, <laughs> basically this quote, I see it every day. And so, you know, that just affirmed for me that it didn't matter what I was. I mean, we joke in financial aid, right? Like how many of us went to college saying, I'm going to be a financial aid administrator, if there even was such a thing that we knew about. And so I think it was my mom's way of saying, just pick something, you know, it doesn't matter, just land somewhere and go be the best at it that you can be. Um, and so I think about that every day, like whatever you are, be a good one, be a good one to your, your family, be a good spouse, be a good brother, be a good sister, be a good parent, be good to your community, be a good neighbor, you know, be a good participant in government and, and, you know, exercise your right to vote and all those good things. And then obviously in your work be a good servant, serve your team in your office, but also serve professionally and get involved. So that's probably one of my other favorite ones. But in fun, probably my most favorite quote, if you know me at all, um, it's if the shoe fits, buy it in every color. <laughs> I win the award for the most shoes. I, I lost count at a hundred something so, you know, why do you even count when you're over a hundred? It doesn't, <laughs> just, just, I love shoes and clothes and purses and shopping and all things related. So that's, that's me in a nutshell, for sure. Very good. I, I really like that. Uh, whatever you are, be a good one. That's a, that's a great quote. That's a good words to live by. Yeah, that's great. So how do you, you touched a little bit on your first quote that you talked about with, you know, the, the leadership um, and, you know, the leader has a title, but the, or the, the boss has the title, but the leader has the team. Um, what, talk a little bit more about your leadership style and, and maybe who you admire in a leader and, and why. Yeah, so I've done quite a bit of, actually, it was a book club that I did very early on at the University of Indianapolis. Um, so UND's motto for all students, staff, faculty is education for service. And I was so fortunate that I was able to start my career with the University of Indianapolis and, and that motto of education for service, because it really instilled in me this kind of inner core of servant leadership. And I've done quite a bit of reading in that area. And like I said, participated in a book club once and had a lot of group conversations. I, I did a lot of work in my years at UND working with career services and student employment and talking with students a lot about um, you know, it's, it's not just a career, it's a vocation and, you know, making it about serving in whatever manner you want. And so I think that's probably the basis of my leadership. I try to be a good, a good servant leader, basically serving the people. And part of that entails in, in being a good listener, um, trying to involve the entire team, not really being 
ultimately at the end of the day, we all know sometimes when you sit at a leadership role, you have to make the tough decisions, but trying to listen to your team, hear their input, and obviously in our field, make sure we're being compliant too. Sometimes the, the decision you want to make isn't always the one you have to make because we have so many rules and regulations that we have to follow. Um, so leaders that I admire, you know, that kind of takes me back actually to both of my parents. They were both small business owners. And so I got to watch them run their businesses growing up as a child and a, a teenager. And, um, you know, people was always number one in their, their businesses, um, whether that was the customers they served or the staff that worked with them to serve those customers. And so that's still kind of the basis for me when I look at um, what's important to me, what, what do I look up to in a leader is I, I look up to leaders who always make time for people. Um, I try to maintain like an open door policy. I, I tell the staff if my door is closed, it's a confidential meeting or I'm focused on something that has to be done probably five minutes ago because <laughs> they'll learn about me. I'm always notoriously behind and late. So that's, that's a big hallmark, sadly, of, of my work sometimes. But um, if it's open, come on in. There's nothing more important than you. Um, and that's, I, I, I really believe that. And I try to focus and, and make time for everyone. They also see me up and about and throughout the office every single time I'm there. We do work in a hybrid environment. So I'm not on campus every single day, but the days that I'm there, um, I try to pass through and, and visually um, see every single person who came to the office that day to say hello, ask how they're doing, ask how their family is, their children are, their spouses are, things like that too. So I think that's part of it too, is a, to me, a good leader is somebody um, who cares, who uh, shows that in their actions and their words. Well, Heidi, can you share with us um, who your biggest role model or, or mentor has been for you in your career? Yeah, you know, that one, I, I thought about this a little bit and, and my biggest role model, um, you know, I have to say probably my very first uh, boss in financial aid, um, she actually just retired this past June, Linda Handy from the University of Indianapolis. She's probably my biggest role model in financial aid world. Um, there is nobody on this planet who knew the regulations like Linda. And um, she, in my opinion, was so progressive in her time because the University of Indianapolis was so automated in their financial aid delivery system way before so many of our colleagues in the business were. Um, they were able to do like automatic packaging and such sophisticated packaging um, for the day. And so when I first started, the things that I was able to learn uh, from her and kind of systems thinking and database thinking really laid a lot of the groundwork for me to be able to, to move forward. Um, I also, you know, my mom was um, one of nine children. 
And so I have this very, very large extended family of uh, aunts and uncles and cousins and second cousins and third cousins and cousins and cousins and cousins. Um, and we are still, while we don't get to see each other nearly as much as we did when we were younger, we are still a very close knit family. And so many of my older cousins who are nurses and uh, school principals and uh, lawyers and healthcare professionals, those are all some of my great mentors too. Because often when I was younger and starting out in my career, they were my sounding boards for, you know, finding my place in the world and, and where I should work and what kind of leader I should be. And they have always been um, all my biggest champions too, like sending me congratulatory notes or emails, encouraging me um, every step along the way. So they're probably some of the other ones that I would, I would look up to, too. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the real Heidi Carl. What are your hobbies? You know, who, who considers you their family? And, and really just any other fun facts about Heidi that we should know? Well, I already gave it away that I am a habitual shopper and shoe collector. So uh, everybody knows that already. Um, I haven't met a mall that I didn't love. So that would probably be my, uh, my first confession. Um, I also actually, I think it's Marvin Smith who uh, one time called me a foodie. Um, and, and I loved him for that because I was like, oh, that is me. I am a foodie. Um, you know, I love all things food, whether it is amazing restaurants to go and try, um, or if it is new dishes to try to create, I will say, I feel like I'm a better baker than I am a chef or cook. Um, those small businesses, my dad actually owned kind of a blue plate diner, mom and pop diner growing up. So a little restaurant that had, you know, um, a, a a daily special and a grilled cheeseburger and fried chicken and all those good things um, on the menu. And my mom actually owned a bakery for about 25 years uh, where I grew up in Michigan. And so I kind of come by those skills um, and talents naturally because we were the uh, least expensive help either one of them had in those businesses. It was called the roof over your head and the clothes on your back. So that's where I kind of honed my skills was learning from both amazing. Uh, my dad was an amazing chef and my mom was an amazing baker. And so that's probably another great uh, love of mine. I also love to read and I love to read things about food. I have um, so many cookbooks that I love to just sit and page through. I, I subscribe to a number of different cooking magazines that I love to read. Um, I like to entertain too, that kind of leads into it. This past weekend, we had a huge uh, uh, Mexican fiesta night with some friends. We had tacos and fajitas and nachos and all kinds of good stuff. And then the next night we turned around and had another group of people over and grilled out burgers and brats and macaroni and cheese and broccoli salad and, and all those yummy um, peach cobbler to, to end the night. So it was a, a wonderful 
celebration weekend uh, with a number of different groups of friends. So that's probably another big thing. Um, who considers me their family? So I mentioned already, you know, my mom and dad and uh, my son, my one younger sister, Candy, uh, both of my parents have passed away, but my sister actually lives in Indiana as well. She's in, um, about an hour away from me. So we get together a lot. And if you've been involved in MASFA at all, uh, you've definitely met my better half. That would be the love of my life, uh, my dear spouse, Dusty. Um, Dusty and I have been together now uh, over 26 years. So she is just an amazing, amazing friend and supporter. And, you know, I should probably say she's one of my biggest champions as well. So she comes along a lot. Um, she affectionately refers to all of us as her pocket protector friends. Because, um, of course, you know, she thinks we're the financial aid. Uh, nerds, because she spent most of her career to date hanging out with young children uh, working in a private gifted school. And so, you know, she's always doing silly games and songs and all kinds of fun stuff and um, plays her guitar and all that good stuff. So Dusty and I, like I said, have have many, many friends and family that we've adopted over the years. But that would be my family. Um, probably the last fun fact, you know, I, I was joking with Emily about that basketball game. So, you know, those of you who don't know, if you've ever done Strengths Finder, I'm a woo, and woos are your cheerleaders, your people that you want there to keep the fun and festivity on the team. And I come by that naturally because I was a cheerleader um, all four years in high school. So I do know a little bit about the, the things called sports, but uh, don't ask me to play them because I don't know the rules. <laughs> I knew when the ref blew the whistle, we weren't supposed to cheer. Um, but uh, other than that, I can't tell you why they were blowing the whistle or what happened, but I know it was fun. And it was always a good time. And it was good when your team ended up with more points. So whether that was the football field, the basketball field, the volleyball court, the wrestling mat, whatever it was, I was always there to cheer on my, my fellow peers in their sports for sure. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love how you call it the sports. <laughs> the sports. It is the sports to me because like I said, um, you know, I'm not so sure I could differentiate basketball, football, you know, I know there's different balls and hockey sticks and, you know, wrestling gear and all that kind of stuff. So, but I just go for the fun. And usually there's, there's some food there too. So, sure. and nachos. <laughs> so That's fantastic. Um, and, you know, I think it's really cool when people do get to, um, bring their their spouses or partners to some of these events because then you get to it, it just feels like you know that person a little better you know and it's been a joy to meet you know meet dusty and i didn't know she played the guitar so you might have to talk her into bringing that with sometime that would be fun and you know uh, my wife emily got to uh accompany me to the missouri conference in the fall and meet a lot of the masfa friends and that was her first time going to a financial aid conference and uh, I, I think she had a pretty good time and bonded with some folks down there. So um, it is cool when you have those opportunities to, to travel and bring, bring your spouse or partner with. 
Um, so Heidi, the, the Midwest is known for valuing, valuing the simple things in life. What are some things that you value? Yeah, so, you know, this has kind of been a running theme as we've been talking, but obviously I value family. I value friendships. Um, those are a big part of my day-to-day -day life. And for me, those are all about love and affection. Um, you know, I, I definitely value a great big hug and making sure people know how much I appreciate them and love them and how thankful I am for them. Um, I definitely value gratitude and being grateful for all that I've been given and all the, the fortune I found in my life that has nothing to do with dollars and cents. I mean, it has everything to do with experiences and um, you know, opportunities and being able to be around just the most amazing people. I think part of that is a little bit of being a Midwesterner too. You know, we are such great solid people and 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 we're really good to each other i think you know we're we're coming along in appreciating diversity and appreciating others and and i think we're we're getting there we we obviously have some work to do in that regard i feel like um but those are definitely some things for me valuing all people is huge um, one of the, the biggest things that I've worked with with my Purdue team is making sure that um, we've worked really, really hard to make sure that our staff team looks more like our student team. Um, and so, you know, making sure that we have diverse people who are working with us every day. We also have a very large um, peer counseling team as a part of the Purdue team. And so, um, you know, we hire our current students to come in and they do a really long intensive training about six to eight weeks. And then they stand shoulder to shoulder with us in working with students. And so I value that as well, kind of like um, professional experience for, for everybody and, and making sure they understand that we're all equals on the team. Um, one of the things that I always say to them is, um, and, and why we call them peer counselors, we don't, we don't want them to be called student employees, because I think that initially, right out the gate says you're just a student, you know, and so, um, and, you know, of course, sometimes I'll get a parent say, well, I was just talking to that student you have working out front or whatever. And I always call them on that. I say, you know, that student is a member of our team. And they're probably more knowledgeable about all of the inner workings of this office than I am. So, you know, making sure that they're being respectful, that's probably, respect is a big, big value for me too, definitely. You know, I had a, we have a similar setup with um, our, our, our peer counselors and yeah, nothing frustrates me more than, you know, well, I don't want to talk to a student. You know, because I, I started as a graduate assistant in our office. So, and I, I let our, our, um, our student advisors know that, that, you know, Hey, I've, I've walked in your shoes and I greatly appreciate what you do. And, you know, one time a parent was like called and I, I had answered the phone directly and are you a student? And I was just frustrated. I said, no, I'm a grown up. 
so uh yeah that that respect piece that you speak of is, is a huge part and, yeah. um I, I appreciate you bringing that up yeah and i think it's important too amongst your whole staff team to make sure that that your team recognizes even if they come and go in between classes um you know they're they're here to work just like we are and they're here with the same service mentality to help the students and families who who need our help for sure heidi you touched on gratitude that was one of the first things you said and and so i I've been having this conversation or trying to have this conversation with more financial aid um, professionals lately, but like I, we, we, we sometimes get so bogged down in the challenges that we face, right? Like it, it, our jobs are hard and, and the average person wouldn't want our jobs. I don't think um, with the stress and the, I mean, the number of times I've been threatened to be sued, like, you know, so forth and so on, like the list goes on, but can you talk a little bit about things that you think we as financial aid administrators might need to take a step back and celebrate and, and the contributions that we make? Um, because sometimes I think we need that reminder. And I, you know, as soon as I knew we were having you on the podcast, I was like, I need to ask Heidi this question because she's she's going to nail it. <laughs> yeah, you know, probably the first thing I would say, Emily, and and I know you're all sitting there like, please don't put one more thing to do on my list. But I would put two things on your list. The first thing I would put on your list is if you don't attend graduation at your institution or volunteer to help with graduation at your institution, do it this year because just the celebration, the admiration, just to see the proud, proud parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters who watch their graduate earn that degree. Sometimes for some families, the very first person to ever earn a degree, a degree you need to be there because sometimes that's all it takes to fill your cup, to go back and do your job for another year. Um, it is tough. I know, you know, May, April, May is a busy time for us. Um, and so maybe you're not going to help put together graduation packets, or you're not going to help hand out diplomas or line graduates up or whatever, but even just go and hang out on the grounds of your campus, watch them take photos in all the special places that hold memories for them on your campus. That is one way I think to be able to see the gratitude of those families and know that maybe you didn't touch every single student because not everybody passes through financial aid, but you helped a lot of them. You helped them figure out their college financing and how to make a college degree affordable for their family. And so that would be the first thing that I'd say, go and celebrate graduation because it truly is the culmination of everything we do every single day, why we read the regs, why we implement policies, why we help students and allow them to appeal SAP statuses and professional judgment and tell us about their special circumstances. Yes, it's a lot of work. Yes, it takes extra time. Yes, you can get bogged down but it's to get them to graduation day. Um, so if you're not doing that, that's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is a great mentor years ago 
Um, actually, I had the opportunity to go to the Disney Institute. UND sent me there once to do their leadership course many, many moons ago. It was an amazing time, and um, I spent three or four days there. And one of the speakers said, um, to be able to have gratitude in your heart, you have to give it to others. And so one of the ways they said that was um, try to write a thank you note a month, at least one. And, you know, when you sit down and think about it, there has got to be one person every month you can say thank you to. And maybe it's somebody on your staff team. Maybe it's a colleague. Maybe it's somebody across campus. Maybe it's somebody in your personal life. You know, have you thanked your mom and dad today? Have you thanked your siblings for putting up with you when you were younger? Have you thanked a friend for having you over for a meal or dropping you off to pick up your car when you needed it or anything like that? And, you know, we say it all the time. You know, we verbalize those words to others. Thanks for this. Thanks for that. Thank you. But put it in writing. Um, and then the, the back end of that is in our profession, as you said, Emily, <laughs> You know, I, you probably remember the names of the people who said, I'm going to sue you for this, or I'm going to sue you for that. But do you remember the names of the families that said, thank you? So in my office drawer, in my files, I have a yellow file folder, and that's my happy thoughts folder. And anytime a student sends me an email or a parent sends me an email, or they write me a note, or they drop off a little thank you flower or gift, I take that and I drop it in that folder. And I have them for the 25 plus years I've worked in higher ed. And there are days, trust me, I'm at the lowest of low. I'm at the very bottom. It was probably after that person called, after they called you to tell you they're suing you, they probably called to tell me they were suing me too. Um, and I get that out sometimes. And I just read every single one of their those notes. I read those times when people knew that I made a difference. They knew that I was helping. They knew that I was there to, to help them be better and, and do my job to, to serve them. So that's another tip that I would say is you have to collect even the smallest little mementos to help you get through sometimes. Yeah, that's great. I really appreciate that. I, I remember you telling me about that yellow folder, but I, I, I did, I forgot about it. So that's, that's a great reminder. That really is. I just think it's so hard right now. And, and I mean, especially with the challenges in the workforce and, um, you know, it's just so easy to focus on the, on the challenges that we're having. And so I, I appreciate you sharing with us um, how you remember the things to be grateful for. Yeah. yeah. You have to be intentional. It's it's hard to get. I mean, it is sometimes days can be a little gloomy, but you have to try to focus on the positive for sure. Well, Emily, you were right. She absolutely nailed that question and and kicked it through the uprights. And that's a football reference, Heidi. I don't know if you <laughs> okay, know that's about, about it's that's the a sports sport. reference. Yeah. It's the sports <laughs> reference. That's not the round ball, right? That's yeah. the oblong one. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I do the same thing with thank you notes that I get from others. And, you know, when I do a presentation, I always say, I think the most powerful thing you can have in your, in your desk drawer is a, a thank you note, because how often do you actually get a written 
copy of anything anymore. You know, it's mostly email. So, um, so we're going to kind of wrap up here with our last question. This is actually a question I, I stole from you when, when you interviewed um, me and I, you interviewed Emily on the Massive Matters, uh, Humans Matters Most webinar last year. So this is, this is your favorite uh, New York Times columnist, David Brooks, talks about how we often spend so much time working on our resume virtues when we really should be working on our obituary virtues. In his opinion, what matters isn't what people think about our work and what we do for a living, but more importantly, it's who we are as human beings and what we do for others that matters. So, um, you know, it, it might, might be kind of morbid or, or gloomy, but what are the qualities of Heidi Carl that you or Hope are written about you in your obituary? Yeah, you know, when you write these questions, Chad, you never think they're going to get turned back around for you to have to answer them. So uh, <laughs> this, this is kind of my uh, justice right here. But, um, you know, so probably a lot of these are things that we've talked about through our entire chat this morning. But um, what I hope others write about me is I hope they write about uh, my dedication to family and to friends. Um, I hope they write about, um, you know, my respect for all people. I hope they write about what a good leader I was, you know, whatever I am, be a good one that I hope, you know, they say I was a good leader. I hope they write that I was loving and I was kind and I was caring. Um, and what that means to me is that I hope they write that I always took the time to make people a priority that there was never a time that something else outweighed being there for others. That's probably one of the biggest things. Um, obviously, I hope they write that they ate an amazing meal that I cooked or they had an awesome cookie or cake or pie that I baked. Um, I hope they write that I extended some type of emotion of gratitude at some point in their life. And I made sure they knew how thankful I was for them. Um, definitely that those are the things that I would hope people will remember about me. Very, very good and very well said. So thank you so much for being on, on the podcast and, and being our first guest. In, in closing, do you have any closing statements or shout outs or anything you want to talk about? Well, obviously, I would tell all of our listeners, don't hesitate. Sign up to get involved with MASPA today. Um, trust me, you will get tenfold what you're asked to give to this association. The friendships and uh, all of the people, the mentors and the networking are probably the biggest takeaway that I have. Um, definitely want to say a huge gratitude and thanks to you and Emily for taking on this venture. I think it's going to be a really fun one for our association. I know for me, I love to listen to podcasts. Uh, sometimes when I'm trying to fall asleep at night or when I'm driving down the road. And so I hope this is one that everybody will put in their library and stay tuned and listen for all the updates. So 
to both of you, thank you for all the good that you do in the world, um, but especially for MASFA and, and especially with this new, new podcast. Thank you so much. Very welcome. Hopefully nobody uses our podcast as a sleep aid at night. But yeah, if they do, we're helping out. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> there, or worse, a, they fall asleep driving. <laughs> I use it to bring me down, yes, like to, to relax me. Gotcha. I hope it's very relaxing. And, you know, they use it to just decompress from that, that stressful day that Emily talked about. That's what I use them for. Like, they take my mind off that person who's suing me, right? No, just teasing. <laughs> we get that call every day. It really is very infrequent, but. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I, yeah, no, I just, thanks again, Heidi, for being our first guest. Um, it was a pleasure talking to you. I feel uplifted and more motivated than ever with, from your wise words and just, I don't know, wonderful outlook on life and, and financial aid and leadership and all those good things. So um, thank you for, for being that first person to, to join us. It's, it's going to be fun and um, looking forward to the rest of the year as with you as our president and Chad as our past president. And, you know, every day I'm just thankful that I'm involved in MASFA and have, have people like you in my life as a professional and as a human being. So thank yeah. you for that honor. I hope you guys go out and do something fun today and everybody else who's listening, make it a great fun day for sure. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, I took, I took a lot of notes uh, <laughs> while you were talking and wrote down some quotes and just some great ideas that you had. So thank you so much for sharing and, you know, Thank you to everybody for all the positive feedback we've received so far. Um, you know, we're getting a lot of shout outs on, on Facebook and everything, um, you know, kind of behind the scenes a little bit. We recorded the, the first episode in January and our second one at the uh, beginning of March. We had a little bit of technical difficulties. We're recording this on April 8th, but now we're kind of, we're getting in a rhythm. We got everything ironed out. Um, it, it takes a little bit to get it uh uploaded to iTunes and the Apple platform, but I'm working on that. So hopefully by the time you hear this one, we'll actually be on iTunes. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, everybody for, for listening. And it's just been an honor that people have been, I think, so excited to, to see the, this uh, venue for discussion come out. So yeah, we will talk to you soon and um, everybody stay safe and have a great day. Bye. Thank you. Hi, everyone. It's Chad. Do you have a question for the Mass for Me Up podcast? If so, email us at mmumailbag at gmail.com. That's mmumailbag at gmail.com.